Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Amen, folk. If you want to just stand up, come, bring your offering. Let's uh, do it joyfully. We are investing in the gospel. We are investing in... Um, his good message to be proclaimed, and this place to continue to be a light in the current community. Amen. So, so I wake up on Friday morning, and I suddenly, and I, I've been dreaming that I was standing up here preaching to you all, dear folk. That's you, so the person next to you. That's you he's talking to. And I clearly remember preaching on the Lord's Prayer. So I go to Janet late in the morning. I say, hey, I must tell you about this dream I had. She says, that's interesting because this group I'm on has sent me the Lord's Prayer this morning. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I thought, you know, that was the one time the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to do something. The rest of the time, he's teaching them. But the one time they come to him was when they said, teach us, Lord. And, and I have a sneaking suspicion. It's because the disciples, their mama wasn't dumb. She taught them, watch and learn. And they saw every time Jesus came out of his time with the Father, out of time with prayer, he walked out into the world and he said, be healed. Rise up. Pick up your mat. Open your eyes. There was something of authority that was on Jesus that when he came out of the throne room of God's presence, he walked in a different dimension. And they watched that. And often they tried it and he rebuked them because, you know, they were learning and they put their faith in the wrong things. But, he, but I'm intrigued by this prayer that he taught them. As we're probably very familiar with, judging from the average age here, I know they don't do the Lord's Prayer in schools anymore, but we grew up with it. Remember? And, and there's something in there that not as a ritual, not as a magic wand, but as the word of Jesus to his disciples to say, okay, you want to learn to pray? Well, yeah. First of all, our Father. Say Father. You see, this was very different to the concept they were raised on, a distant deity, you know, Jehovah, God, enshrined in the temple, priesthood, sacrifices. Jesus comes and says, no, no, I want you to call him Father. There's a new intimacy that Jesus brings to us. And the old concepts of a distant God just spinning the universe have been replaced with this knowledge of, he's my Abba. He, he, he calls me son. He calls me daughter. Let's say that together. Father, you are my creator. Father, you are my redeemer. I put my confidence in your unconditional, unwavering, perfect agape love. You see, the power of what he taught his disciples was this. When you agree with the word of God, 
your words take on the same authority that God has. The moment we make a declaration like we've just made now, what we're doing is we are stepping into an ambassador role of seeing the word of heaven being translated through this vessel into this atmosphere. When we make declarations, Jesus came out of those times with the Father and and he declared. He didn't ask the demon nicely to leave. He commanded it to leave. That's what a declaration is. And that, my friend, is what prayer is. The world is in hopelessness right now because they are yet to understand the power of prayer as Jesus taught his followers. Simply as that. And let me tell you, half the church is also asleep. Because if in a time like this, they're running for cover and diving for cover and saying, Oh God, why have you left us? Then I'm worried about what God they've been serving anyway. Because that God shows himself mighty in times of crisis. He shows himself powerful in times of disillusionment. Now, now, by now we all know that we are taking precautions. So, you know, there's a ditch on both sides of this road. If you go too far there, they say, oh, you're being silly. If you go too far there, they say, oh, you've got no faith. No, 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 no. This is a time for the church to be strong in faith. And this is not a condemnation for people who aren't gathering. They've got to do what their faith allows them to do. But it's not a time for the church to shrink back, whether it's in a group of 100 or a group of 10 or around your dinner table. Take the bread, take the cup, and remember the Lord's death until he comes. And I've got a sneaking suspicion that this is only the early warning signal of the Lord saying, I am going to come back to a planet that's going to have all its idols stripped for a season so that people can wake up. Disneyland's down the tube. Disney World's down the tube. The movie industry's on hold. All sports around the, everything. But have you noticed, even in the president's mouths, they don't say anything about closing down churches. Listen. Restaurants are down, pubs are down, gatherings are down, sports are down. Have you heard a president in the world yet say, close churches? That's interesting. There's a subconscious, deep trust that when God's people get together to pray, things change. Then he goes on and he says, our Father who art in heaven. Say heaven. You see, my friend, we need to be reminded of heaven. Because heaven is our ultimate destination. Heaven is our hope. In fact, positionally right now, you are seated in heavenly places. You might not see it with your natural eyes yet because you're in this in-between time of not now and not yet. But we are already in Christ, ruling in Him. But heaven is our home. And the Bible says that in the, in the book of Revelations, when the, 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 the veils were being torn and the, 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 the plagues were coming upon the planet, it says that they overcame Satan with the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, because they loved not their lives unto death. There's something what happens in the life of a Christian when you say, you know what? Bring on your best shot. My God reigns. My God is supreme. My God is still the same. Yeah, but, but pastor, pastor, you know, you, we were singing so nicely and you're telling us how blessed we are. And now look what's happening around the world. God's forgotten about us. Until you understand that your eternal destination is heaven. 
that this life is a blip in eternity. And everything we hang on to and hold dear in this life is temporary and fading. We need a supreme value of heaven if we are going to fight a fight of fate on this earth. And there's a reason why idols are being dismantled. It's because heaven is a reality as we go through this prayer. Say with me, Lord, open my eyes to the reality of what is not seen. That we rule and reign from a place of victory. We are citizens of a different world. Lord, we desire to see your gospel plunder hell and populate heaven. Heaven is my hope and heaven is my home. Amen. When we declare that, something shifts and something changes. I've been following uh, social media and all the other stuff and trying to block out all the junk mail. And there's so much junk that it's hard to actually get to where the truth is. But there have been some interesting little conversations going on. And one of them that caught my attention uh, was that this is a time for Christians to just calm down, take a deep breath, and use this time wisely. You are in like a sabbatical. And this is not the time just to busy our minds with, with entertainment, entertainment, entertainment. This is extra time to go, hang on, let me go sit in the quiet outside under a tree and open my Bible. Let me do something I haven't done for a long time. Take out a paper and pen and journal a few things that God is saying to me. These seven, eight weeks are going to be over, God willing, and I believe he is. But how we use this time is going to set us up for the next wave. Because I don't mean to sound like a prophet of doom, but I don't think this is the last time something like this is going to happen. And our faith can either get stronger and stronger and stronger, or we can just give up hope and become fear-bound. But that's not who we are, amen? We're those who trust and say, Lord, the third one, I don't know if I'm going to get much further than this, but hallowed be your name. Say your name. Oh, we love that name. Amen. In the old covenant, that name was revered. The scribes, if they wrote out on the scrolls and they, they got to write the name of Jehovah, they had to go about a ceremonial cleaning and they had to write it in a special way. It was so reverenced, but there was a fear attached to it. Whereas when we come into the name, the Bible says, or Jesus says, whoever uh, gathers in my name, I'm there present with them. Whatever you ask for in my name, I will give it to you. At Antioch, they were first called Christians because they understood we are now in Christ. That means we're in his name. Praying in his name is not just tagging on the end a little in the name of Jesus. When you pray, you are in the delegated authority of Jesus, his name. It's the power of attorney. Someone entrusted you with the power of attorney and said, when you go and sign this check, it's like I'm signing this check. Jesus says, when you use my name, you're signing my check. The power of his name. They hallowed his name. We too are engrafted into the name of Jesus. 
and we use that name. We use it when we're feeling despondent and down. down. And there are moments in all of our lives where I just, the other day, I was feeling so tired. By Wednesday this week, I don't know why, I wasn't doing much, but I was exhausted. And I realized we're carrying something at the moment. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. They who run in it will be safe. Find your place in that wonderful name. Say with me, Lord, I stand in the authority of your name. In your name, I declare over my family protection, health, victory. I declare over my church strength, health, victory. I declare over this planet health, victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we mean that right now with all of our hearts. As we declare that, Lord, these are not empty words. We are saying, Lord, your church is rising up in this hour, in this time, to be a mighty fortress for your name. And we lift up those, Lord, who are maybe living in timidity and fear, who are living in anxiety. Those of our families, those of our friends, even those in our community. And we pray right now for our holy boldness to come upon them. Not to be irresponsible, but to be responsible in believing that our God's name has not changed. He's still the God who saves. He's still the God who delivers. He's still the God who supplies all our needs. He's still the God who is Jehovah, our almighty banner over us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say kingdom and will. Jesus, in teaching his disciples to pray, saying, you're ambassadors of another kingdom, and your declaring on earth as it is in heaven is agreement with what's going on in heaven right now. God has a vested interest in planet earth, and it's to see him being the king. And where he's king, his will is done. Say after me, Lord, we declare your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom is joy. Your kingdom is peace. Your kingdom is righteousness. And we declare this over our family, our church, and our world. On earth as it is in heaven. Amen. I don't know if I should leave these last ones for the... No, let's just do the declarations. Jesus said to them, give us today our daily bread. God takes an interest in his provision for his people. It's not good if a man doesn't want to work. But when you want to work but you can't work, it's a whole different story. And the early church, there was no need amongst them. Because God moved on them in a generous spirit like they never knew before. Christians don't often operate in generosity when times are good. But when times are difficult and hard, the church rallies together. It says there were no needy amongst them because those who had things went and sold them and brought the money to the leaders who could dispense it and distribute it wisely. And then we see the leaders got deacons serving tables so that the widows 
and the orphans were taken care of. In other words, there is a, not just a time to go and be irresponsible and just throw money all over the place, but it is a time to say, where's God placed me in a community? Maybe there are needs there that I don't know about. I think next Sunday when we have God's cupboard, I don't think we should even get people buying. I think we should just buy that whole table and make sure that God's cupboard is stocked to the maximum. That no one will, none of our family here will come to this church saying, I really don't have food in my cupboard, that we can't have them drive away with a trunk full of food. I don't see why we shouldn't be able to do that. Well, God's cupboard works like this. You go, you give 10 rand, you get a tin of, one item gets put in a box. Someone else comes, gives 10 rand, item gets put in the same box. That box, once it's full, gets stored. When someone in need comes, they take that box. But the money that was given goes to replenish the grocery cupboard. Does everyone understand how God's cupboard works? Okay. So what I'm saying is instead of going through that whole cycle, we just take up an offering and buy the whole bunch. One shot, bang. That'll just mean instead of the guys who serve God's cupboard saying, please, 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 we, we need a few items, please, please. We'll just say, okay, the cupboard's full. Give us today our daily bread. I mean, how more practical can you get than that? Say off to me, Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the one who provides. I put my trust in you and allow your peace to rule my heart. I receive divine strategy to be wise in receiving your provision and living generously for the sake of others. Keep me from selfishness. You are a generous God and nothing is too difficult for you. Amen. Amen. Can I still? Another two minutes. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those against us. Now, old covenant reality was that you, there was a condition to your sins being forgiven by you forgiving others. In the new covenant, your sins are forgiven through what Jesus did on the cross. And because you're forgiven now, you forgive others. So, thank you, Lord, you forgive my sins. And because I'm forgiven, I forgive others. Surely if I've been forgiven a million dollars, it's easy to forgive you $30. So forgiveness is based on a revelation of my righteousness and forgiveness, the gift that I didn't deserve, and then the outworking of that to others. My first position is in first Adam was I was born into sin. I didn't have to do anything good to get there, and nothing I did could get me out of that. When I got born again, there was nothing good I could do to get into that condition, and there's nothing I can do to get out of that condition. I am made the righteousness of Christ. I am a true... I am I'm given the same standing with the Father as Jesus himself had. And now I have to practice forgiveness. That doesn't always come easily. But let me tell you, it is your nature. You might be struggling to forgive someone right now. Let me tell you, that's not your nature. Your nature is to forgive. Because you've been forgiven so much, you know how to forgive others. Say with me, Lord, thank you for the free gift of righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can't add to my righteousness. 
and I can't take away from my righteousness. And I choose to forgive others as I have been forgiven. Woo, do you know what power just got released into the environment? Do you know what power got released right there through that declaration? I wish I had time to preach this. Final one. Deliver me from evil and temptation. See, Jesus himself faced temptation. But he showed us the way out. By confessing and declaring the word. He will always provide a way out. You might be going through something now that is a huge temptation. And, it's a, and the world is wrecked in evil right now. And even this, what's coming upon the planet, will bring the worst out of some people and the best out of some people. But Lord, keep us. Bible says, God is getrouw, and I shall not too late that you bore your mark for such word. But I shall stand with you for such the outcome here. God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Isn't that good to know? And excuse me for showing off a bit there. It's the only Afrikaans I know. Anyway, say after me, Lord, thank you for. Oops, I'm a London. Oh yeah, no, that's right. For the free. Uh, no, even sorry, Lord. Say, yeah, yeah, Lord, you know, you are my deliverer. Even now, I'm surrounded by angelic realms, and I do not fear. I trust in your protection, and no weapon formed against me will prosper. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up together. Lord, we thank you to you be the honor and the power and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, church, go forth in confidence that the Lord is for us, He's in us, and greater is He in us than He that's in the world. And we can walk in victory. Let's keep praying the prayer of the Lord. Let's pray this prayer over our lives. Let's enter into it, and let's be the solution. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And if